Welcome in to Locked On Knicks Fan Friday. We had another fantastic discussion with some of you guys on the Locker Room app. And Gavin, I think we took some really cool questions. Uh, do you want to enlighten everybody to what we uh, got asked in this first part of our once again two-part Fan Friday episode? Yeah, so no one, no one was super enthusiastic to jump up at the beginning. Everyone was feeling a little shy, so we opened up with some runover from last night's podcast talking about Emmanuel Quickly's recent struggles debating, is it just the rookie wall? Is it something more? Does it have to do with the types of lineups he's playing with? So we, we, we diagnose any and all IQ-related issues. And then uh, some people would argue we have IQ-related issues from time to time. And then uh, we, we got on our, our first fan to talk about uh, the next big fish the Knicks could potentially, I always hated that phrasing. I'll just say the, the next the next star player, the Knicks could potentially get in free agency and which offseason they should they should deem as the one to go all in on. And finally, we finish up uh, debating whether the dream scenarios in play, can the Knicks win a first round series this year? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm the editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play announcer by day, podcaster by night. And this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join us every week on usually Thursday or Friday. It's Fan Friday, but sometimes we might record on a Thursday, depending on the Knicks schedule, to get in on the action with us. And if you want a perfect example of how that goes, just listen to this episode. We're getting right into it in a second here. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. And without further ado, we'll get right into our first part of our Fan Friday episode. Yo. What's up, guys? What's up, everybody in the room already? Damn. Wow. It's, it's popping. I haven't even hit the invite all followers thing yet. All right. Uh, cool. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Fan Thursday, Friday. Uh, we're going to be taking, you know, questions from you guys, having you up to talk. So, like, if you want to get up, uh, feel free to put a, a speaker request in, and we'll, we'll talk about whatever you feel like talking about. Hopefully not that game last night, because that game was terrible. Uh, but, you know, anything else on your mind? Um Gavin, is there anything that that you think is a good uh, discussion starter, potentially? Yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. We could start off with something we we didn't totally get into on the pod last night, which is uh, maybe maybe sort of a downer point to start on. But I don't know. I think it's a conversation worth having, and that's the play of Emmanuel quickly. Now, I think... I think maybe um, I'm overrating this a little bit because I looked I looked at his splits pre and post All Star game and they're 
they were surprisingly pretty close to being the same. Or I don't, I don't know if you guys all feel this way, but in my mind, I, I've, or at least I've been noticing that like he's he's gone through this real extended cold stretch and hasn't had one of those signature games in what in what feels like a very long time for him. I mean, like last four outings, zero for four, four for eleven, four for fourteen, five for thirteen. Last time he got over 20 was the Nets game where he shot 6 of 19. So the last really good game he had was all the way back on March 13th against the Thunder. I don't know. It just it, it feels like, Alex, I, I know when I, when I brought this up to you the other day, you were saying you thought it was just a rookie wall type of situation. Do you think there's anything to the idea that like the league is, is catching up with him? Or, or do you think it's, it's literally just like a fatigue thing? Uh, I think it could be a little bit of both. Like, you know, I, I think that the rookie wall is fatigue, right? Like once these guys, I I talked about this with, I feel like I've talked about it with every Knicks rookie for the last like three years, at least since we've been doing the podcast, like talked about this with Kevin Knox, with RJ Barrett now with Emmanuel quickly. I mean, he's now at how many games has he played excluding injuries and everything? If I had to guess probably about 40. Yeah, he's played 40. 43. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's an extended college season. Like, I don't, I don't know that he ever got past the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, which means the most games he's probably played in a season is like 32 or 33. So I think that, you know, that's, that always kind of plays in with most rookies that, you know, that they're playing more games than they've ever played in their life closer together than they've ever played in their life. And that just leads to them eventually hitting sort of a a burnout in the middle of the season. And, you know, this is a kind of weird season. So we're at what would be roughly the halfway point of a a normal NBA season, uh, maybe a little past it. But this is, you know, now almost two thirds of the way through this one because of the shortened nature of it. So, you know, I'd say it's about normal. I, I think Kevin Knox went through the same thing. R.J. Barrett went through the same thing. Mitchell Robinson, if I remember correctly, sort of had a doldrums period in his rookie year as well before he like turned it on to end the year. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, the, playing basketball at this level is hard. You know, playing it at this level for this many games, this close together is is difficult. And I think that that's probably playing into what is happening with quickly right now. Um, and, you know, I... It, I guess it would be concerning to me if this lasts the whole rest of the season. You would hope that the fact that he's been playing less minutes these last few games would mean that the next opportunity he gets to play big minutes, he'll he'll look a little better, um, I, which I guess we'll see when that happens. But, yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm at on that. All right. I, I just saw we, we got a question. Um, well, Frazier just pointed out that IQ has been playing hurt. I, he did. He, he tweaked an ankle a couple of games back, right? Yeah, I believe I, so. misremembering yeah. that? Yeah. It was some kind of leg injury, but – but yeah, that's that. It, it's it's a fair point. Um, I think to me the biggest thing about him that was concerning relative to the early part of the season was the floater not going down and at, at the same rate that it was. Where I mean, obviously when he first came in off the bench, it was automatic. And and to me, that's the biggest element of his game that quote unquote um, other teams have sort of figured out and have started forcing him to take tougher ones at, at different angles or like bigs are jumping out on it. A little bit more. I, I, I do think there are a number of factors there. I, I think people underrate how crucial it is to his his floater 
that he gets to play with someone like Mitchell Robinson. And obviously, Nerlens Noel is also a big threat in the dunker spot, but it's not quite the same as Mitch just because of his sheer size. And and when quickly uh, puts a guy in in booty jail, like just get someone on his ass, um, it it becomes a two-on-one. And if you have a center who's like just a nuclear-level threat, um, that floater is always going to be open when he plays – one without Mitch. Now that Mitch is out, he's playing less minutes with Nerlens, and you have Taj in there. All of a sudden, the big can kind of commit up and, and alter that shot a little bit. That, on top of the f- fact that the floater historically, like for all but a couple of guys in NBA history, is a very fluky shot and not one you can consistently rely on for a large portion of your offense. That was the only part that felt unsustainable early that teams are catching up on. I think the off the dribble three point shooting, obviously the open three point shooting. That will that will inevitably even out over time and health and um, better lineups around him. But just just a little a little something to watch uh, going forward. Uh, Frazier also wanted to know um, who are they going to add at center. So Alex, when we, we when we talked about that in the pod, we were both kind of in consensus and, and saying like, look, like Boogie Cousins is probably the only guy that would would actually crack the rotation right away and anyone else you're just getting as a breaking case of emergency option. But the, the Knicks right now, I think, I think rightfully don't really seem in a rush to sign anyone because unless Taj or Nerlens gets hurt, I, I just don't think there's someone out there who would, who would be playing for them. Yeah. I think the only guy is maybe Norvell Pell who would just be like a breaking case of emergency, you know, like Nerlens Noel, but not as good type of guy. Uh, to have on the roster that that seems the most likely to me you have to figure they have someone in mind because they opened up two roster spots they didn't even keep Terrence Ferguson after that deal when he's in theory you know a young player with some form of upside maybe or at least you know good athletic tools and stuff so I, I feel like they have plans for these two spots I don't know what exactly they're waiting for at this point as far as filling them um you know, because you can just you can approach it with ten day contracts too, if you want, uh, just to sort of fill the gaps, have a you know a tryout for some guys, bring them in for practice or whatever. But I guess we'll see. I, I still think it's going to be Pell. That's what Ian Bagley has reported, and I, I would tend to trust his reporting on that sort of thing. So uh, I think that's going to be the guy ultimately. Um, but should we? Well, do you have do you have any other guys in mind? Uh, other than that, for at the center spot before we no, move to uh, we have our first speaker request. Now let's let, let's get the speaker in. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a sec. But first, you love this podcast. You might not know this about me, but I am I'm not just a podcaster. I am a huge fan of listening to pods and pods in general. I was I was in early on the craze. I was listening to Bill Simmons back in high school while I was walking my dog. I remember my friends would would kind of make fun of me and say, well, "You don't you don't listen to music when you walk." I'm like, "No, this is podcasts. They're they're pretty cool." So I was I was a little ahead of the curve. But now there's a new one. There's a great one coming to your podcast feed near you. I'm excited to tell you about it, and I think you're going to love it. It's called Death at the Wing. It's a sports documentary pod hosted by Adam McKay, writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. Man, I've been a long time Adam McKay fan. All, all the collaborations. Between him and Will Ferrell, absolute gold. 1980s basketball saw players like Magic Johnson and Dr. J become household names, bringing a faster and flashier style of play that captivated TV audiences. But along the way to wealth and stardom, the excess of the 80s took its toll on the next generation of basketball stars, 
And never in the history of the sport have we seen so many who were ready to become stars face tragic deaths in such a short time frame. McKay is joined by sports journalists and experts who lived through these moments in history to explore this overlooked phenomena and the web of social, political, and cultural forces at play. If you love The Last Dance or 30 for 30, I genuinely think you're going to be a big fan of Death at the Wing. I know I'm going to be tuning in. So if you want to as well, search for Death at the Wing wherever you get podcasts to start listening. All right, guys, we are back. It is Fan Friday, and we are going to be talking Knicks. But if you want to get all the general sports news you need in under 20 minutes, that's that's concise. You can do so with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y app, or wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we got we got Joseph Raimondi returning third week in a row. You are our most consistent customer. And I don't know if I've complimented you yet. I have that same hat. I, I wear it a lot during my Locked On Now things. So uh, I, I dig the Knicks hat in your profile picture there. What's up, Joseph? How you doing? What do you want to talk about today? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I love this hat. So uh it's dope. Like they put like a like a flex fit type stuff in the hats this year. They're very comfortable. Yeah, very, it's very nice. Cool. It's nice. So uh I just want to say about quickly, real quick, um I, I think with him, like it's all about his potential, right? And uh the shooting slump, like, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, we love this kid because of his demeanor and his attitude, his confidence, his work ethic, and um it's a lot like RJ. Like I have, I have full confidence that he's just gonna keep getting better. And uh, you know, rookie wall shooting the slump aside, I think we're seeing uh, some good things out of him lately in just uh, the some reads and some passes that he's making that he couldn't have made earlier in the season. And I also think he's not so reliant on that floater, and he's shown that he's trying to get all the way to the rim sometimes. So I think we are seeing some growth with him. Uh, despite his shooting slump, yeah, I would I would concur, and you know I think the the floater thing too is, is something that I think that he needs a certain amount of lift on that, and you know maybe that's again like him whether he's a, a little hurt still or whether he's hitting the rookie wall as far as you know just kind of losing his legs at this point. I think that has something to do with the the floater not going down quite as much. But to your point, yeah, I, I do think we've seen recently he's been. He's been trying to get all the way to the rim more. He's been trying to be a creative finisher around the rim rather than just going to the floater. He's also, I think, been looking, at least when he's in there with the right lineups, he's been looking to pass a lot. Like when he was starting, I think he was looking to find uh, Randall and RJ quite a bit and get those guys involved, which I think just comes as a byproduct of knowing that you're like not the certified bucket getter on the floor at that particular moment. Um so yeah, I, I Gavin, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I do think I, I agree. I think we have been seeing more from IQ lately. Yeah. No, I, uh, oh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Joseph. No, I was just gonna say I, I think we see that depending on on who he's playing with, like you said. Um I think sometimes he feels the need to carry the scoring load with certain uh lineups that he's in. And other times when he's out there with Julius and RJ, I think he's looking to pass a little bit more. Yeah, I will. I will say though. I mean, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. The one the one area that I have liked the last couple of games is I think he's he's sort of gotten that passing back 
that we saw from him early in the season. And and I remember when, when we were talking about him early in the season, the biggest thing for me and Alex, we were like, yeah, he just has to shoot the ball. He has to he has to pull the trigger when he when he has an opening from three because he's he's really the Knicks' best option in that capacity. And then he went maybe even a little bit too far in that direction. And that's I mean, that's kind of been the chief critique of him over the last couple of months is that he's been been a little little shot happy, but I, I think that it's very normal for a rookie, or, or even we, we saw with RJ this year, to go through a period of calibration and saying, how much do I hunt my own shot? When am I getting shots for my teammates? Because it's tough, and, and particularly if you're, if you're a point guard or, or just a ball-dominant player in general. I mean, you're dealing with older players, guys with egos, guys who are more established, guys who at this point probably have wider-ranging skill sets than you do, and, and your coach is telling you to shoot all the time, but those guys all want the ball. You, you, you're sort of you're sort of figuring that out in real time, and it's it, it's hard to manage egos, and on top of that, to read NBA defenses and make the right play time in and time out. So I think I think that's an area he's getting a better grasp on. All right, Alex, we're gonna take one final break, and I gotta tell our listeners about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA. College basketball and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and my favorite, reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If it's a very big if, use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And it is time. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, fantastic tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And it is time to figure out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is, well, as I record this, today's matchup is the championship. The ultimate creme de la creme of Built Bars will be crowned by the end of today. By the time you're listening to this, we may already have a Built Bar champion between Coconut Brownie Chunk and Cookie Dough Chunk. However, I would encourage you, go on and check anyway to BuiltBar.com or check out Bar underscore Built on Twitter. If voting is still open by the time that you listen to this podcast, go place your vote for Coconut Brownie Chunk. It is the most amazing flavor in the Built Bar lineup. It is a very deserving champion when it wins, or sorry, champion when it wins over Cookie Dough Chunk, which is a fantastic bar in its own right. Don't get me wrong, but I'm harboring a little resentment. Cookie Dough Chunk knocked out Cookies and Cream, one of my top favorite flavors of Built Bars. I'm a little salty about it. So vote Coconut Brownie Chunk. And if you decide that you want some Built Bars, maybe to do a little taste testing for yourself, see if this bracket shook down the right way, or if someone got robbed along the way, head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and make sure you check back here and on BuiltBar.com to see who the champion is. All right, and we're back to Fan Friday now. But get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. 
scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y app, or wherever you get podcasts. And now, back to Fan Friday. Joseph, was, was there anything else uh, you, you, you in particular wanted to hit on? Uh, during I, this? I, well, I did have, um, if it's all right if I switch gears a little bit here, okay. I did have a kind of a question. So yeah, when when is the first chance that you think like that you guys see for the Knicks to make a big splash like in free agency not not with a with the trade but like when's the first like big unrestricted free agent who's not over the age of 32 that you guys see coming up um I mean are we talking super realistic or like well I just see like I'm looking forward and I don't really see anything that interests me too much until 2023 when you've got Embiid, Jokic, uh, Zion, like before that, what, what really is there? Uh, I think, I mean, it's, I'm not going to go out and say like, it's super likely or anything, but there is some possibility, however small that like Kawhi Leonard, this very off season, could become available. Uh, I think maybe if you can sell him on, you know, Tibbs, the roster, all that stuff, maybe there's a chance he would do it. I don't think it's super likely, but I do think it's at least a little telling that he and Paul George signed identical contracts when they first got there. And then after one season, George signs an extension to keep him there for like another three years or whatever. And Kawhi is still like, nah, let me hit free agency this year. Um, you know, maybe he's not quite as sold on George as he once was based off how things went in last year's playoffs. And, you know, obviously how things go in this year's playoffs would, would have a lot to say about that as well. If they, if they end up, you know, getting bounced early again this year, like I, at least if they get bounced before like the Western conference finals, I don't know. I I think there's maybe you're approaching like a 50, 50 chance that he would think about leaving there. Uh, though that's completely like unsubstantiated, so don't like take that as a right. Right, a, but then real like, thing. He's got, yeah, he's got, but he's got to opt out. I mean, yeah. he's he's getting older, durability issues. RJ's not quite ready. It's like sure. not, it's not exactly the perfect thing. So I just don't. I would I would say the next next one. Yeah, I would say outside of twenty twenty three, also like Bradley Beal, it could be available in twenty twenty two. Um. I guess that's another guy that I would yeah. look at and say that's someone that they might realistically have a shot at. I believe uh, I believe Zach Levine is also 2022 because uh, he and Randall expire at the same time. Yeah, he is. He is. Oh, okay. So, that's what I didn't think about. Because yeah. I've been just been thinking long and hard about if it would be smart for the Knicks to just overpay the heck out of somebody like Lowry or even DeMar DeRozan and make him the nominal point guard. Um and just kind of almost bring everybody back and just add like that, just overpay a, a vet. And so that just so that we're a playoff team and we get that experience for two years and then really try to strike in 2023. Yeah, yeah I, I don't hate that. Go ahead, Gavin. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, 2022 on paper, I mean, you just read off the names. It's, it's incredibly loaded. James Harden, 
Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Brad Beal, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, theoretically Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, um, Zach Levine, as was already mentioned. If, if I'm the Knicks, I'm leaning, I, I'm either doing a massive overpay for one year, like someone like Lowry say, hey, we're, we're going to give you $35 million to come in for one year and, and get things right. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at this iteration of the Knicks as where the Nets were two years ago. Right. You're, you're building you're building an infrastructure and, and, and you're doing you're doing a goodwill tour. Right. You're doing a PR build. You're saying um, we're, we're going to convince everyone in the NBA and, and the Knicks. I mean, they seem like they're well on the path right now. Uh, this is not the same old this is not the same old Knicks. Uh, James Dolan has limited or, or rather not limited influence, but limited interference at this point. Um, and this is an organization um, that you want to come pay, play for. And then we're going to do everything possible to be players first. And they're not. They're not all the way there because it, it, it's a lot to overturn, like 20 years of being the antithesis of all that. But I think they're on the right trajectory. And as we, we all know, I mean, the Knicks have been the NBA's great sleeping giant for honestly, like what's crazy about this, like outside of the 90s and the, in the late 60s, early 70s, like pretty much their entire history. And it's it sort of like I, I, I was just finding it interesting. I was reading about the 80s Lakers this week just because of that HBO show that's coming out. And they were um, there was like an article about how like Kareem was just like set on either going to New York or LA, or LA, right? And it feels like there there were like all these like times and moments like there's stuff like where Wilt maybe wanted to go to New York at one point. Like you can just you can just kind of step through NBA history and say, wow, if the Knicks were just competently run over the last seventy years, would they be like the third best franchise in the history of basketball? Second, when right now they're, they're like average historically, if that. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to think about. And it, it just sort of primes in my mind, like how relatively simple it is. Like, like the baseline of competence for, for the Knicks with all their built-in advantages is just so low to get multiple stars. And, and for the Nets, it just took one off season. They were, I mean, think, think about where, where we were with them like a year and a half ago. They were like a great story, but they weren't even pseudo contenders. They were just kind of a nice, fun team. But then Kevin Durant says, you know what? I kind of want to go there. And Kyrie Irving says, yeah, that might be pretty cool. And all of a sudden, like, you, you fast forward a year and a half, and it's like, I mean, I, I know everyone talks about, like, L.A. and, like, all the other teams that could potentially win. In my mind, like, if they're healthy, it's game over. Brooklyn's going to win an NBA title. And I, I think I mean, maybe this is crazy because a, a lot of stuff has to come together. And you look at a lot of those guys they list, and you say, all right, but ultimately, like, Jimmy Butler probably going to play out his career in Miami. Uh, Kevin Durant, he's not going anywhere. Kyrie Irving, he's probably not going anywhere. Steph Curry, uh, would he leave Golden State? Maybe. I think he's actually one of the names to watch in that list. But it only it only takes two of these guys, right? And maybe even like one megastar and then one like Levine or Beal tier guy to get pretty close to NBA championship contention. Um, if I'm the Knicks, I'm not doing anything to ruin that. And I'm not I'm not immediately thinking it's unrealistic that that can happen. Because we've seen it with a lesser franchise in Brooklyn that doesn't have like nearly of the Knicks like Q rating, um, and they they did it in just a couple of years, starting from a way worse point than what the Knicks are at right now. So I I, I wouldn't I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I can't give you a specific name, but I think it might all happen sooner than you think if the Knicks play their cards right. And uh, so you'd be more interested in like a one year overpay rather than two year. Yeah, I would. I think so. I mean, it, it basically, like the question you have to ask yourself when you sign any of these types of guys is: is the contract tradable? Like, if you give Lowry two for fifty-five, um, if the time comes where you can you can upgrade to a younger, 
better star at that spot. And like, I, I love Kyle Lowry, but he's, he's getting up there. Um, can, you, yeah. can you trade him without giving up an asset? If the answer is yes, then yeah, give him two years. If it's not, give him one year. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I was going to say, I would, I would try to do, you know, maybe a bloated one-year deal for a guy like Lowry or, you know, if it, like, like that if you can, if you can get it where he's on for like 20 million or something like that, a little over to, or, you know, 25, 26, whatever, where you think, okay, yeah, if, if we need to move him, we could do it to make space for whoever, you know, might decide to come in 2022. Like, let's just say it's, I, I would say again, probably most likely it would be like Bradley Beal. Um, you know, if you can make room for him, then, then do it. Uh, that's, I think my stance on that one. Um, and that's, that's probably how I would approach it. I just, I, I think you can pretty much, you know, get rid of the idea of this year, you know, this summer being a time to add anybody of super long-term value. Uh, but I think that the, the year after is where you start saying that there might be chances to add some really, really good players in this free agency class. And Gavin, I mean, to your point, I wouldn't even necessarily rule out Jimmy Butler. Granted, he's he's older, but he seems to have uh, taken on sort of a an interest in R.J. Barrett, you know, at this point uh, in his career. And um, obviously still, I think, likes Tibbs to some degree, although I, I don't know how he stands 100% as far as that's concerned. But yeah, I, uh, I think that I, I would look towards... 2022 i think as the first year of maybe being able to really hit free agency running but i also wonder too if, if perhaps a i don't know what's going to come first as far as chicken or egg between a a big free agent signing and a big trade so i think that has a lot to say about when they're going to try to strike in free agency too they may trade for someone that then makes them say okay let's let's go hit free agency now and sign that big co-star or third star if they manage to hold on to Julius Randle, that sort of thing. So that that's something to consider as well. But um, all right, I'll uh, Joseph. Do you have anything else to to talk about? We haven't gotten any more speaker requests. Those of you that are in here, feel free to put in, and we don't bite. We're we're cool. I think um, we do have one other question to uh, to get to here as well. Um, that we'll answer real quick before we get, we did just get another speaker request. So Joseph, we're going to send you off. Um, All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you want to promote your Twitter or anything as usual? I'm not at the Phantom knee. Yeah, you got it. All right, man. Uh, Feel free to get back in too. If you come up with anything else you're thinking of. All right. Take care guys. Later, man. All right. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'll hold off on answering the question, I guess, because the guy who asked it isn't here anymore. But Grant Howard did ask projected nickname season record. Uh, maybe we'll get to that in a minute since he, he doesn't seem to be in the room anymore. But we have a speaker request from David Almanor. Let's get David up here. All right. David, what's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm a longtime fan. I, I guess this is like the, the first and only time or maybe uh, – a repeat time, I, I get to talk to you guys. But um, my question, or I guess my comment, has something to do with, uh, well, what that guy just asked. Because basically, we're in a position of making the postseason for the first time in a long time. And after last night, I'm pretty sure we can't do it with Alfred Payton, like, on the no. floor. So <laughs> without Alfred, and we know, we know Toppin's having his difficulties, without Alfred and Toppin, do we have a an eight man lineup that 
you think can make it past the first round? Oof, past the first round is tricky. Uh, that is a, a interesting way to put that. I mean, I I think it's tough to say because I do think that you're it, it would it would have to hinge on if Mitch is healthy, if Mitch can get healthy by the playoffs, um, because that's like definitely a factor. Uh, otherwise, I just don't know that they have like the defensive oomph to to be able to, you know, make it out of the first round. Like we've seen that against some of the, the other contemporaries of theirs, like in the playoff hunt, they do have some difficulties sometimes. Um, they've done a fairly good job being the teams they should beat, but against like the, the winning record, like good teams, they do have some struggles. And we've seen that with Miami recently, obviously with the Nets and with Philly, who both of which were without, you know, one of their best players, which I would say, roughly lowers them to about the Knicks level um, as far as talent's concerned. And, you know, even the, you know, the Knicks even have issues with, as we just saw last night, like bad teams when they don't, you know, see games through to the end and all that. So I I think maybe there's a chance, like if it's a, I, I don't know though, because I don't really think anymore that some team like the, like the Pacers, for example, is going to end up being the Knicks playoff matchup at this point. Um, and that's a team that I would think they could beat if they end up in a seven game series with the heat, you know, we just saw them lose three times to the heat. And I just think, I I think the heat are too talented for the Knicks at this point, uh, for the Knicks to beat them in a playoff series. Um, I'm trying to think who else, like as of right now, they would be facing the bucks if the playoffs started today. I don't think there's any chance that's going to happen. <laughs> I, th- I think the only way that it happens is if you get the four five. So if the Knicks end as the as the five seed or the four seed, and get you know a team like like presently it's the Hornets and the Heat, or you know perhaps the Hawks or something like that. Maybe even the Celtics make a run and end up as the four five seed. One of those teams I can maybe see them beating. If it's one of the top three teams and the Knicks are either the six seven or eight seed. I, I don't really see any shot that this year they could win a playoff series. Um, so it's very dependent on the matchup, and the matchup pretty much has to be a 4-5 matchup, and everything has to align just right, I think, for that to work. But, um, Gavin, I, I can throw that one to you as to what you think. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm on the same page with you. Um, unless unless there's an injury, obviously, that that's the big wild card. But I think especially with Miami um, – gathering some reinforcements at the trade deadline with Nemanja Bielitsa and Victor Oladipo joining them. Um, I, I just think they're, I mean, too good, too disciplined, too much frontline talent, too much defense. They're, they seem like they're a fairly good matchup for the Knicks. Um, but you, you look at teams like Milwaukee and Philly and you say, um, I mean, Embiid has obviously historically been fairly injury prone if the Knicks end up in the seventh spot and Embiid is out. I mean, we've seen how, how well the Knicks compete with that version of the 76ers uh, just, just a week or two ago. So I wouldn't, I would still make Philly the favorite in that series, but it would, it would be a toss up if the Knicks, if the Knicks were pretty healthy and in your, in your dream world, um, David, where the Knicks have somehow uh, realized the ills and the evils of Alfred Payton and decided not to play him anymore. Um, that, it's an interesting question, though, whether or not Obi Toppin will, will actually be in the playoff rotation, because right now it feels like like I've said this before. But I think if if you say if Kevin Knox was the guy they took in the first round this year and Obi Toppin 
was the guy that um, a previous administration had drafted two years ago, and he just hadn't had a lot of success yet in the NBA. I think you, you could argue that their their current spots would be flipped. Probably a conversation for another day, though. My final point was the Bucks, kind of the same thing. If Giannis were to get hurt, um, you could you could see the Knicks matching up fairly well with them. But again, those those are scenarios that are fairly unlikely. So I think I think it would take something really really fluky for the Knicks to win, and, and I would say even to be super competitive in a first round series. Like if, if you, if you told me right now, the Knicks got two games on any of those teams, I would, that would be the equivalent to me of this year's Knicks winning a championship, just because I think the top four in the East is that much better than any other team um, pending, possibly Boston figuring things out. Uh, but David, what do you, what, what do you think about that? Uh, no, I, I think you guys are pretty accurate. I was just uh, hoping that somehow, some way, maybe we could have uh, like, caught the Hornets or maybe Atlanta on a bad, uh, a good matchup for us, but like a bad matchup for them. But um, yeah, it's kind of looking like we have to work with what we have and hope for a successful off season. But uh, yeah, so I have to add. It's kind of funny too. Like, I I guess to Gavin's point, you know, maybe if the Knicks could face the the Bucks that they faced the other night, maybe they would win this current matchup that they have. Uh, And even then it would go seven. (laughs) But <laughs> <laughs> something about that uh, was Sam Merrill and uh, who's who's the, the other dude? Thanasis onto Takumpo. Thanasis and who we, the, who we drafted? Uh, Nawara, <laughs> Nawara, future superstar, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I think the Hornets would definitely be the one that I would that I would peg if I was going to find someone who in the current field is the most beatable for the Knicks in the playoffs. It would probably be the Hornets or the Hawks. But I think at this point, Miami seems like they're really starting to roll. And I think they're going to stake a claim to that four spot sooner than later. So it seems like it's going to be either Miami, the Bucks, the Sixers, or the Nets that the the Knicks would end up against. I I would say that the Heat would be the best uh, chance out of all those, but it's pretty, pretty slim pickings for any of them, I would say. And like Gavin said, if, if they took like two games off, I think that shows pretty good progress this year. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Um, David, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up, though, or anything to add? Oh, no. Thank you, guys. Cool, man. Uh, do, do you have like social media or anything you want to promote before you get off? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. All right. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for popping up. I'm going to move you down because we got another speaker request. But thank you for that question. That was really good. Yeah, appreciate you joining us, David. All right, that's it for the first part of Fan Friday, but you don't have to wait long. We're going to release both parts on Friday because, after all, it is Fan Friday, right? How often do we actually get to release the episodes on the day of? So we're going to release both parts today. So tune in a little bit later, and we will have the second part of Fan Friday up for you guys. That is going to include some great questions as well, like could the Knicks-Bulls rivalry be rekindled with the way both teams are sort of trending up right now? Uh, Or are the Knicks actually ahead of the Bulls for once? How cool would that be? And then also, uh, we talk about Alfred Payton versus Ricky Rubio, if it's slanderous to even put Ricky Rubio in the same breath as Elf. We talk about uh, point guards that we wouldn't mind seeing the Knicks go after in the draft uh, if ones aren't available in free agency this year. And then we finish off talking about trying to predict the Knicks' final record for the year. So we, we got a lot coming up in the second part of Fan Friday. Stay tuned or maybe just check your feed. Maybe it's there already. Uh, check out Fan Friday Part 2 coming up in a little bit.